Hello, and welcome to You Should Hear This, a podcast for the everyday association professional. I'm Nick Estrada, your host. A strategic plan is a process in which an organization's leaders define their vision for the future and identify their goals and objectives. Most, if not all, associations have a strategic plan, but is it time to reinvent that plan? With so many different factors to consider, where do you start? And is that the correct path for your association? Our guest today will help us with these questions and lend some guidance on how to come up with a new strategic plan. Marianne Passy, CAE, is the Chief Executive Officer of the Corporate Housing Providers Association, CHPA. As CEO, she leads strategic oversight and direction of the association. And during her time with CHPA, they've grown in all areas, including membership, revenue, awareness, industry collaborations, advocacy, and reach. With more than 25 years of experience in managing nonprofit organizations, she leads a staff team that partners with passionate industry professionals and helps them have their voice thrive within the industry. Marianne is a certified association executive and belongs to the American Society of Association Executives and the Association Forum. Welcome, Marianne. Thanks, Nick. Good morning. I'm excited to have you here. It's been a long time since we've talked. For our listeners, uh, I actually work (laughs) with Marianne um, on a day-to-day basis. So we actually work on CHPA together. So we talk pretty regularly. We do. (laughs) Via Teams, via email, via voice, talk all the time. Yes, absolutely. But I'm excited to have this conversation. I know this is one that we, we've we struggled with over the last couple of years in terms of how do we guide CHPA? How do we get something on paper, right, uh, to get them in the right direction? And I think you brought forth kind of a really unique way, which we'll talk about today, right, to, to approach this conversation. But before we get to that, I'm curious, can you tell me just a little bit about your background for our listeners, how you got to where you are today? Sure. Well, I did not go to school for association management, as nobody really does, Um, maybe more so these days than um, a long time ago. Um, And so I was my deep, dark secret, law school dropout, hated it, didn't want to do it, thought I want to do that for the rest of my life, did not. And But I had a lot of jobs during college, and so worked with the recruiter, and she sent me on my first association interview, um, an affiliate of the National Association of Realtors here in Chicago, the Women's Council of Realtors, still around today. And uh, I was their membership manager and then left there as director of membership to go to my first AMC because I wanted a wide breadth of experience to continue in associations as a career. And then um, worked with a variety of organizations, left associations for a little bit to write grants uh, and foundation proposals um, for a bit, but then really, believe it or not, missed the the um, daily differences in our jobs. Even though we do the same things over and over cyclically, each day is different. And I miss the interaction with members and working with leaders uh, of organizations. So then came back to Rayborn and that was a long time ago. So um, I'm we joke around the office. Rayborn used to have a Chicago and DC offices, and I am what's left of both of those offices. Um, and so I've uh, been working with um, CHPA for a bit, first part-time, now full-time. Um, I worked on several clients. And so it's been a journey, but I've one I've enjoyed. I always enjoy hearing the just the journey, right? And I think many, especially I think a lot of our younger professionals can there now start to see, right? There is a career, there's a path uh, within is. this space. And I think that's always just exciting to hear from from folks. So, all right, strategic okay. plans, your favorite, I know. You, you love <laughs> strat planning, favorite. but jokes aside, right? Strategic planning, it's something I think that we all use, right? Whether we Absolutely. use it all the time or whether we just build it and put it on a shelf, right? But we all have one, right? We all say we have a strategic plan. 
But why are organizations or um, the leaders who are responsible for crafting these, why are we so worried about it? Why does this stress us out so much when it comes to strategic plans? Well, I, I really feel you work really hard to get the right perspectives around your board table, right? We've all have these detailed processes and requirements about what makes a great leader, who we want around our board tables. They're leaders in their own right and in their own industries and professions, but you need them to switch gears and focus on your association at a very high level. So strategic planning affords us an objective kind of consensus building approach to getting everyone focused on the bigger picture. So together, boards can identify and articulate what success looks like in the future and provides uh, direction for staff leaders to make it happen. So it's just a common language. It's a common vision. So, you know, really working together, it stresses us out when we don't have it and we feel like we're just floundering. We're trying to respond to the myriad of needs and uh, requests that members may give us and may actually need. But how do we best focus what are limited resources, even in the largest of associations and strategic plans allow us to do that? Yeah, I like your comment there about common language. Um, and I think that I actually just got off of a, a phone call with kind of a, a software provider, right? And the, mm -hmm. this concept of a roadmap. And I feel like strategic yeah. plans are very similar to that, right? It is the, here is what we're focusing on. Here are the things that we're doing. And it creates that common language among our board, our staff, our volunteers, our general member to know this is where the association's going. Agreed. So after the last few years, we, the word we will not speak of, but we know, right, that it forced a lot of changes within associations. And I think one that we've talked about for CHPA specifically, right, is that it, it took our board, which had moved to a very strategic mindset um, over the last, I would say, decade, right? Like they, they really had done a good job of moving into that realm, getting away from that tactical day-to-day, -day, and then suddenly they had to become very tactical again. So did you find approaching this year to push them back into a strategic planning conversation difficult? If so, how, why was it difficult potentially? A little bit. It's easier, I'll say easier, even given all the challenges of the past few years, it's easier to find the problem, solve the problem. And um, when your board is tactical and they were fantastic partners in being tactical, it was, here's our problem we're facing together. How can we do it in the best way possible? So in our case, with the Board of Entrepreneurs, they're used to thinking strategically for their own companies. So the way we worked with our board, as you mentioned, was more tactical the past few years to ensure that the association survived. They became our tactical partners. I was concerned about keeping the conversation at a higher level and elevating our thinking out of what do we need to do to survive into what does the association need to thrive? So our members industry changed, they face new challenges and threats today. The association needs to continue evolving to remain relevant and supportive of their businesses. Absolutely. And I think many of them enjoyed the tactical work at some level. I don't know that they all yes. did, right? But I think some did. And so I think listeners, you might see that mirrored in your own organizations because they felt like they were making an impact and they were, right? Mm -hmm. But they could see a tangible result. Um, right. I think sometimes strategy stuff, right? It takes longer to see it, the the return on the investment of the work, yeah. right? And to I come think to that fruition that, and see yes. some outcomes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's just a, as you begin to approach these conversations, right? If you've been in that kind of space, I think that's just a key conversation there around, you might just have to help remind them that that's kind of their, that's their role on the board, right? Mm -hmm. Their role on the board is to help that vision setting, is to help guide the organization where we should go there. So lot, lots of 
ways, right, that we can approach a strategic plan, lots of ways that we could determine what's the most important, you know, we could survey all those kinds of things. I think you chose a really interesting model, and I think a a very smart one in terms of utilizing some resources that are out there. So you utilized ASAE's drivers of change. So I guess kind of a two-part question first um, for folks that they're not familiar, can you share a little bit about what the drivers of change are? And then ultimately why you selected that to be kind of the framework that you wanted to use to lead this strategic conversation to build a new strategy. Sure. ASAE has invested in foresight research that's resulted in 50 drivers of change. And they, and this spans all areas of what's happening in the world, economic, ESG issues, practical technology issues, uh, staffing, volunteering, you name it. There's this, they're wonderful resources and they've boiled it down to four pages uh, per driver of very relevant information of what the future may look like and how you might be able to apply it in whatever industry or profession your association represents or deals with. And so I'm fortunate that um, Foresight is not a new concept to the CHPA board. So years ago during a similar retreat, the board mentioned, oh, if we only had a future ball, a crystal ball, or we only had a futurist. Hey, Marianne, go find a futurist to better <laughs> advise us so we know what's coming down the road. So that that very offhanded flippant comment um, became the beginning of a work with a fantastic futurist, Brian David Johnson, who helped guide association leaders to understand what foresight is and how that type of research can be applied to the future of their companies and the association itself. So out of necessity, that work stalled during the pandemic. Um, And we now have new board members since we did that work with the Futurist. So they were unaware of necessarily how we approached it. But because there is this history to build upon, when I considered how to organize our annual strategic retreat without money for an outside facilitator, the facilitators became (laughs) you and me, Nick, the drivers came to mind to help structure the conversation and get leaders on the same page to begin to have these discussions. Yeah, I think the other, to add on to what Marianne's saying here, I think the other benefit, right, to utilizing these drivers of change is that they were not things that Marianne or I or the team decided were impacting CHPA. Correct. So we did not come and say next generation professionals or something you need to be focusing on because Mm -hmm. that's going to impact you. Now, we may think that, right? We may say that that's something that they need to be thinking about. But those are, right, we can go back to these are research, these are vetted, these are strong, and they're impacting industry-wide. So not just your industry, but they're they're impacting a lot of things. And now the conversation will be, how do we take that thing that's impacting everyone and recognize how it's impacting us specifically? Um, And I think that was well-received by a group that takes in a lot of data on their own. Um, Correct. they, They do a lot of that kind of research just to see, again, for their own decision making as a business, what they should do. Completely agree. So you mentioned there are 50 drivers. I think it grew because I think there were like 40 something and then the pandemic hit, I think, and they were like, oh, there's new ones. So they added some new things there over the last few years as well. But recognizing, right, strategic plans can't focus on everything. Mm -hmm. We can't do everything. You mentioned limited resources. I'm sure we're all familiar with that. So how how did you start to narrow down from the 50 to something that they could actually discuss and and kind of manage um, at the volunteer level? Well, you know, part of being tactical and responding to member needs, I felt was getting us 
pretty scattered or we were, we were being pretty uh, spread pretty thin. So I reviewed them first and identified about 17 that I thought were potentially applicable to the industry and to the association and to our members' businesses. So I noted my rationale, why they were relevant, and then I engaged the executive committee. So the executive committee then took on the task of reviewing those 17 and narrowing it down further for the board. So using a survey, they ranked those 17 drivers and that got us down to about eight. So I then sent those eight to the board. They ranked those via two more rounds of some simple surveys. I mean, it was really a question of ranking and consensus emerged on the top two to three to focus on during our in-person meeting. So while this process took a few months because it's four pages per driver and it's some heavy information, um, it got us all to the same starting point when we got together in person. So everyone was coming with the same knowledge base and then building upon that together. So it, it, it made the best use of a very limited time together. And we all have limited times with our board. So that's what we were trying to get to. Just how do we start from the same base of information and continue uh, discussing the future together? Yeah, I think the other piece of that too that was really powerful was we were transparent. You know, Marianne would share with the board, here are the current rankings. Here's what's been submitted. Here's... So this is what's going to move forward to the next stage, right? So there was never a point at which, again, I think, and I don't think our our board feels this way, but I'm sure there are boards that do feel this way in terms of being paranoid about we're not getting all the information or we're not getting, you know, we're not selecting everything we want or, you know, whatever that could look like. I think this was a very clear and transparent process where they could see, okay, yep, um, that's the decision that's happening or, oh, I'm in the minority for this one or I'm in the majority Mm -hmm. for that conversation. To bring them all together to to kind of have those pieces, I think was really Agreed. really important. Were there any? I'm always just I'm curious on this now. I so heads up, didn't ask you this question before. Were any of those drivers that they kind of ultimately decided were the most important? Did any of those surprise you? It didn't surprise me in today's environment per se, but it surprised me that it was such an evolution in leadership thinking from just a few years ago. Mm. So. I know we're going to talk a bit about where it was, um, where our strategic planning was, but you know, it wasn't it wasn't groundbreaking, in my opinion. So every association wants to grow membership. Every association wants to provide excellent programming. And that's what we had articulated even early in the pandemic, as well as let's continue to exist and financially remain viable. So I didn't think that was new, but how do we get there? So how do how do we get how do we get the boards thinking? a little bit broader in terms of what do we offer that gets us to those goals. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I thought they use the drivers and the drivers they identified as priorities. They use them much better. So I thought that the ones that they identified were spot on with what the staff team would have identified mm-hmm. as key. So it was nice to see that we were all aligning our thinking and heading in the same direction. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that hundred percent. So you mentioned, obviously, right, that there's a kind of an in-person experience mm-hmm. for this. So the board did come together, you know, in the same room, right, put them together, had them have some conversations. So what did the evolution of that as you, right, because obviously you didn't go into that cold. We planned a lot for what that process was going to look like. So what did the iteration of how we were going to structure that in-person process look like, who was involved in the planning of that conversation, especially on the volunteer side, right? Because again, it can't all be staff driven. But what did those in-person conversations look like in terms of how we structured those? 
Well, it, you, as you mentioned, the presenting the trans, the transparency and presenting the information. So we started with presenting the results of the surveys, and then we moved with your skilled facilitation. I guess your facilitation skills, your facilitation strength into an envisioned future exercise. And with those drivers fresh in everybody's mind, the board was pretty quickly able to articulate what the future of their successful association should look like. Uh, we then discussed the top drivers and how they could potentially impact the association, identifying and articulating success. So rather than go through all of the drivers, we really focus on the couple, the two or three priorities that they identified Two really. The other mm -hmm. third, fourth, and fifth, we're going to take into planning. It's just not what we focused our time speaking on. So it really allowed us a better focus. So so together, the staff team, aka you and I, outlined everything the then we, I'm sorry, we then moved to look at everything the association does. And we added what they identified together in that room as what they wanted to do and what they thought the association should be successful in doing for the future. And then we had the board do the all always popular ranking of the priorities. And so uh, we put money or we gave them fake money um, and they put money next to their top priorities. And so that really helped visually illustrate and narrow down what was most important to them to provide ROI to member companies. So taking a little bit of the, of the traditional strategic planning pieces and classic facilitation techniques and making it a little bit a little bit more fun. So our board chair's name is Dan. We had Dan Dollars. And so he he actually got quite a chuckle out of seeing his face on money. Um, <laughs> so we, we got that. And we tried to make it simple. So it wasn't, we had you talked about the iteration of how we were going to do this planning. So first it was going to be different denominations of dollars, and then they could articulate. And that just got too complicated. So we, we you and I really worked hard at simplifying what that in-person experience would be like. So we gave breaks. We were, you know, sitting in a in a room and and just kind of giving people just some some brain breaks in between. Um, and rather than break up into small groups as we were originally going to do, we kept the conversation all together as a group. So everybody heard everything all the time. And I think that really helped the board move through a process pretty quickly. Yeah, there's a couple other things that we did that I think were really helpful in moving that kind of in-person conversation forward. So, and I would say, again, as you're getting into a strategic plan conversation, recognize that there's a place for all of these things. And so for us, we really spent our morning in this kind of expansive thinking world, right? There is no bad idea, right? right. If in three years or in five years, you want us to be this, that's great. Let's talk about that. You know, I really pushed on the board several times if we got into a, yeah, that idea sounds great, but we can't do it because of this. I would really pause on that and say, we'll get to that conversation, right? But for, for right now, that's a great idea. And let's make sure that we kind of give that some credence and, and have some conversation. I think as well, my hope is that that also gave all of our board members a space where they felt like they could be heard, both our seasoned board members as well as our newer board members, because I think sometimes new board members don't always feel ready to speak up. And so this gave kind of that space. The other thing we did <laughs> gave everybody the ability to self-police themselves in conversations so that Marianne uh, and I didn't always have to be the one to shut down a conversation. So they got these cards that said, great idea, different meeting, um, where we really tried to push that like today is about strategy, right? We're not here to talk about the tactical. So you can say we need to grow membership, but we're not here today to talk about how 
membership grows. So that was a good opportunity for folks. They'd really get down. We're not bad ideas, right? We're very good ideas, but it was just not the purpose of our meeting today. And you'd see somebody start to scribble on a piece of paper and they'd hold up their card and I'd say, oh, okay, great. That's a great idea. We'll talk about that, right? At a different meeting. And so I think that gave them some, I think it was fun for them, but also was a way to recognize and record those good ideas as well. And um, you brought up a good point. And it also allowed them to stay focused on, on what we're there to do. As you said, the other thing we did at the beginning was set ground rules, which mm-hmm. we, which some boards always have and some are unspoken, but these were specific to be respectful of our time together, to put your phone down, uh, you know, not nothing earth shattering, but articulating that, sending it out in an email in advance as expectations for the meeting. And then it was printed in front of them, actually, um, admission of the organization, as well as the ground rules. And so they, again, you spoke to self-policing, they would do that. They would call each other out mm-hmm. on some of the things like that. And that just, again, helped keep us on time and helped us talk through everything we needed to discuss instead of going off on tangents. Yeah. And I think depending on the culture of your organization or the culture of your board, um, I think we approach this one with a little bit more casualness than we have in the past. Um, Not to say that that's right or wrong, but I think, right, when we told the board, you know, come to the big strap planning day in jeans and t-shirts if you want. Mm -hmm. I think that brought a different air to the room, right? Not It wasn't stuffy. It didn't feel corporate. It it felt like we're here to do some good work. And that means we're going to have to roll our sleeves up. And I think that helped in kind of just the space. So I, again, know the culture of your own organization, but I think that's something I think we would recommend that that helped move conversation forward in a, in a really good way. It really did. It just made people more relaxed to be able to share their conversation, especially since so many of them, that's how they go to work mm-hmm. or they're working from home. So that just allowed them to feel more relaxed and able to contribute in our space. Yeah. Anything We've talked a little bit about it, I think, but anything surprising about some of those in-person conversations, things you heard that maybe we hadn't heard before or you heard it in a different way? I think most surprising was how the board internalized the drivers and spoke, I'm using air quotes, association speak in discussion. So they were interjecting with information they gleaned from the drivers and they refocused other members' suggestions at times. It wasn't staff driving the conversation, as you just mentioned. So it happened far more organically than some of the other strategic planning discussions we've had in the past. Um, I always enjoy these meetings as I learn something new uh, when industry leaders share their experiences. And that just allows me and you and the staff team to better understand their challenges and help guide our efforts to support them. So not a whole lot of new challenges, but I think hearing what happened in the pandemic or as a result of the pandemic as more clearly defined challenges and opportunities and uh, what they're seeing in their own companies or what their own company research has allowed them to refocus their efforts that not necessarily, again, not necessarily surprising, but just uh, great information to hear. And often just overhearing them speaking to each other about something that worked, something that didn't work again, just adds to the depth of information and understanding we have of their industry and their challenges, which ultimately allows us to better have conversations with members and engage them on things that are important to them, not just we think is important for the association to do. Yeah. And I think that hits on a key piece, right? Anytime we work with our boards, our members, whoever, right? At the end of the day, they're the experts on the industry. We can help guide the organization and the resources that we can provide for them, but they have to help us determine 
what are the best things that would be the most meaningful for them because they know it, they live it every day, right? We live the association world, they live the actual industry that we serve. Agree. So you mentioned kind of previously what we've had in strategic plans. So before I ask what your current thoughts are on the one that's being worked on now, curious, what, what's been created so far versus what's been created in the past? What are the, the primary differences that you're seeing between maybe the last couple strategic plans that CHPA has had and the one that is currently being finalized for them? While the board in past plans, while the board would articulate what they thought was a bigger vision or more strategic focus, I still found fairly tactical especially when we did a strategic planning remotely or virtually, I should say, uh, a few years ago. And it needed to be that, but it was very hard if we could not have, you know, if if one of the metrics, for example, is increasing in-person event attendance and all of a sudden we don't have any events. Well, how do you switch that to virtual? You don't have any experience necessarily. We didn't for virtual events outside of webinars. So what is a metric for that success? And so it just felt... I can say a, not a misfit, but almost felt like the wrong size. Like it didn't, it it was pretty rigid in my opinion. Mm. And so I felt like this last discussion is broader in context and and more visionary than it's been in a few years. And so because we, while we followed a process that we put together, it wasn't a very rigid process. You mentioned casual, and I guess I would I would say it more as fluid. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, we took pieces of processes that we've used in the past, kind of melded them together to create something that resonated with this particular group of leaders. Yeah, I think something else. I don't. I don't think we've talked about it yet. We're purposely, I believe, not calling it a strategic plan moving mm-hmm. forward. Uh, we're going to call it a strategic framework. I don't know if you can talk on that in any way about why we're choosing that that language? Yes, the strategic framework concept incorporates the necessity of big picture thinking uh, and focus without the rigidity or narrow focus of a plan. So uh, that's a positive from the pandemic, in my opinion, this board's ability and the staff team's ability to more agilely respond to what members need. So the framework does that. It, it allows us for a bigger outline broad strokes to keep us focused on the end goals. And then the annual action plan that we're now developing will and building will give us the practical steps to implement for this year. And if something needs to change, maybe we don't look in any year, maybe we look at it in six months. It gives us that flexibility to continue to evolve. And when we went through the process together, we even had some time to discuss potential barriers. So we can better plan in this action guide action plan to avoid or at least minimize these potential barriers and then continue momentum to evolve the association to remain relevant. Yeah. I, and I think, right. Oftentimes I think we hear about like a course correction, right? Uh, mm-hmm. oh, we've had this three-year strategic plan. We're two years in let's course correct now um, at our annual strategic review uh, to what Marianne's saying. I think this allows us to be a lot more responsive Okay, we said we were going to do, you know, we wanted, uh, you know, 20% membership growth this year. Those are not real numbers. I'm just saying things, you know, and then this impending potential recession hits and that's no longer something we can do. Okay, we're going to take that off the framework. We're going to add on something now that is 
achievable, right? Mm -hmm. Or at least is now recognizing that there's something new that's impacting. Because to your point, I think that's something we struggled with with the pandemic, exactly as you mentioned, is that we built this strategic plan. We we approved it basically like two months before everything went sideways. And then we had this the strategic plan that we couldn't take any action on because all the things mm-hmm. that were in it were no longer relevant anymore to what our members needed. Um, so I think I'm excited as well that this new concept will help us be more responsive to member needs. As we're building out, you mentioned that action plan and kind of where we are, at least with the strategy. Are you happy uh, with our current results from kind of using these drivers to guide our strategy conversations? I am very happy because it allows us to then take these drivers in the future, provide updated research, documented data that members can look, and we can continue to build on this. They may be different drivers in the future. They may be just updated drivers, but it allows us that, that focus on foresight to look at everything we do and we're providing to members through that lens. Mm. So I am happy to, to give it that as opposed to the traditional, I'm going to say traditional strategic planning sessions because board members have said to me in the past, not another strategic planning retreat, like not again, because they do it for their own companies and they've had to change how they're doing it. Um, and so this, I think, just felt more natural to them. It was, it was for the most part, continued conversations. We just gave them the platform and the language with which to have these conversations. And so being able to sit in a room together and just listen and document what they're saying just made them feel far more successful in the outcomes identified. And I think from the staff side, this is the clearest direction I think we've ever received about like what are our next steps? Um, What are the things that we should be focusing on, which feels really nice Mm -hmm. to know where we should be pushing things. Knowing you're not done, obviously, right? You're not finalized. You've not, we've not finished everything um, in terms of what this looks like. But if somebody else is starting to think about how they want to approach beginning their next strategic plan, strategic conversations, what might they, what would you recommend maybe that they might need to change up or, um, you know, how they might need to approach these conversations now moving forward? Well, I'd say don't be afraid to try something new. So refer to some other associations' best practices that may show real outcomes. There's no need to recreate something that doesn't resonate with your board. These particular drivers, they're research-based, so that data is relevant, again, as we mentioned, across industries and professions. If it's not these drivers, find something that will resonate with your board and the current challenges facing them and get that into the conversation. Think you should also find a champion that will partner with you to present the strategy to their peers and help drive it with you. So we were very fortunate that the chair and then the executive committee were all open to how to frame these conversations. But ultimately, it gets down to the trusted relationship you have with your board that they will take your guidance on how to help them to be successful. So I'm fortunate that the board really does have trust in our team and we were able to have those conversations. In my opinion, we could not keep doing the same strategic planning process we've done in the past and expect different outcomes. So, um, yeah, I mentioned it a, a bit ago, excellent programming, growing membership. Yes, they're important, however, but what association doesn't want to do these things? So through this process, our board was able to better articulate what is needed, how the association can best use limited resources and truly impact the success of our member companies. Yeah, I, like I said, I think it's just a unique way 
to look at this. It's a different way, as you mentioned, right? Instead of just coming in and saying, dust off the thing from three years ago, Mm -hmm. update some new words, and now we've got our strategic plan again. And I think it allowed them to really buy into this. Um, You know, we've already communicated this conversation to our general membership. You know, obviously we got some feedback, but I think that overall, I think it was a positive response, right? This is kind of generally what we're going to focus on. And again, we'll adapt within each year or as needed to hit these specific these specific marks. And I think we're really excited to see where we can take this. I agree with you. And the feedback we received from some members were questions on specific things of importance to them. And we were able to say, yes, that falls into under this area and you'll get more information on it. We just are building out what that looks like, but we've not, we've heard what you've said is important and we've incorporated that. It's just, we're giving you the broad strokes, as we said now, and we'll start getting specific. Absolutely. So as we start to look to kind of wrap up on this, any any other kind of advice um, or recommendations around managing these conversations, start, middle, end? Well, it is a journey. It's it's not a one and done thing. It never is. Even if you accomplish everything in your strategic plan, then you just <laughs> establish new goals or your board decides, oh, well, that goal was too simple. We need a stretch goal. So uh, it need, that's going to continue to be our focus each year. As the annual plans evolve and new leaders come on board, articulating progress to members, each step is going to continue building on the one before it. What success looks like may change. How you'll get there, how we'll get there together will need to change. And that's really the only constant, the change and the evolution. It's better to plan and try to work toward that change positively than to have it forced on you and scrambling to keep up with change, as I think we all experienced over the last few years. So it's just, it's an ongoing dialogue. Again, referring to this as a framework allows us to keep bringing it back to the board and have those strategic level conversations and not just a once a year type of conversation. But it, it's I'm just thinking now, how do we now keep it front of mind and incorporated in every leadership agenda? So we're touching on it in some point, not just reporting out what we've done or haven't done or uh, what's in progress, but just strategically, are there new issues or anything else that we need to talk about? or continue to evolve or create a new tactic or strategy within this this framework. So excited to have those higher level conversations. And I think the board's excited too, because they felt they made a contribution and their input was heard. And now we just need to articulate it to members continually um, and get them excited and engaged in the association. Absolutely. Marian, I appreciate you being here with us today. This is, uh, I know it's a conversation that stresses some people out. But I think with your leadership, this became something that was, as you just mentioned, right, and actually kind of an enjoyable process for those that participated in it. And I think that that is that alone is a win when it comes to strategic planning. So um, really appreciate you spending time um, to talk through this with us for our listeners. Well, thank you, Nick. I appreciate it. And it wasn't just my leadership. It was your leadership. It was our executive committee's leadership. And again, based on the relationship that everyone has with their boards, you really find out what you think they will listen to and hear from you and incorporate that into the process, whatever process you end up using. So it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Of course. And if folks are interested in maybe getting in touch with you to learn a little bit more about how you approach this process and uh, maybe any more of your recommendations, how could they reach out to you? 
uh, you can email me on at map, M-A-P, at rayborn.com or map at chpaonline.org. So you can find me and I'd be happy to talk to you and share any documents because that was part of what I was getting hung up on and what being able to work with Nick on this, we could bounce ideas off each other and come up with the best process together. But sometimes I was just getting caught up in the process and don't let that hang you up. Absolutely. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode of You Should Hear This. If you have any questions you'd like answered or future topics you'd like us to explore, please send us an email at info at isae.org.